Hello and welcome to Interpreting India. I'm Srinath Raghavan and this is a podcast presented by Carnegie India. Every two weeks, we bring to you voices from India and around the world as we unpack the role of technology, the economy and foreign policy in shaping India's relationship with the world. In the light of the recent coronavirus outbreak, we are now recording and producing episodes of Interpreting India remotely. India's inflation targeting regime was set up five years ago to counteract the high rates of inflation that the country was consistently facing. This system has come under immense pressure owing to the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the Indian economy. In the past, the Monetary Policy Committee has been criticized for keeping real interest rates high and so dampening growth. Critics now argue that the inflation targeting scheme constrains the policy space for responding to the pandemic. On the flip side, analysts have also acknowledged that this regime's positive contribution has been to economic growth through lower inflation rates. In this episode of Interpreting India, we discuss India's inflation targeting system. How has this system fared since its inception in 2015? Should we consider modifying aspects of this regime in keeping with the extraordinary circumstances of the pandemic? And can this system actually persist without change? Joining us today to discuss all of these issues is Radhika Pandey. Radhika is a fellow with the National Institute of Public Finance and Policy, NITFP. Her core areas of work are macroeconomics, business cycles, financial sector legislative reforms, and capital controls. She was part of the research team for numerous Ministry of Finance instituted expert committees, such as the Financial Legislative Reforms Commission, the Panel on External Commercial Borrowings, and the report of the Working Group on Foreign Investments in India. Radhika is the author, most recently, of Moving into Inflation Targeting, a paper that she has co-authored with Professor Ila Patnaik on India's inflation targeting regime. Radhika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Srinath. Happy to be here. No, thanks for giving us the time. I want to start by asking you to give us a bit of an introduction, really, to what you think are the salient features of India's inflation targeting regime. Why was this system adopted in the first place? What was the rationale behind the particular design that it took? Maybe you could just get us started off with that. Sure, sure. So basically what is inflation targeting is that when the central bank of the country is tasked with the responsibility of achieving a specified inflation target. So that is inflation targeting that, you know, the central bank is given a responsibility of achieving a particular uh, target of inflation uh, as part of its objective of monetary policy. Because And why it's important is because, you know, if you have very high inflation, uh, that erodes the savings, that erodes investments, that is uh, that hampers the long-term growth of the country. So it is understood that uh, low and stable inflation is beneficial for the economy as a whole. And from the monetary policy side, what monetary policy can contribute to, uh, you know, supporting growth is by maintaining a low and stable inflation. So in an inflation targeting regime, the central government normally, you know, we have various models across the uh, globe and we can talk about those. But in general, the central government in consultation with the central bank of the country assigns a specific target of inflation to be achieved over a medium term. You know, for example, in India's case, when in 2016, this uh, target inflation targeting regime was adopted, 
it was uh, the target given was 4 plus minus 2%. So the target is 4% uh, with an upper band of 2% and a lower band of 2%. And it is to be achieved, uh, this target is operational till 2021. In 2021, in March 2021, this target will be again reviewed depending upon the economic condition. And maybe a new target will be given or the same target will be uh, set. So that is uh, inflation targeting regime. And you know, you ask why it is important. It is important to uh, anchor the inflationary expectations of people. Because uh, you know, whenever we have these wage setting negotiations, whenever we fix the salaries or wages, one of the important component of this is the cost of living. So how you determine cost of living, you know, next year, what should be the cost of living? What do you assume? You assume 10% or 15%. What, are, what is going to be an uh, you know, increase in prices? That will determine our wage or our salaries. Now, if we have something to anchor our inflationary expectations, if we have the central bank telling us that, you know, I will do everything or whatever it takes to maintain inflation within a band, then our inflationary expectation get anchored. We know that, okay, if the inflation is going to rise above 6%, the central bank will do something to bring it down. Similarly, if it goes be below 2%, the central bank will take a, a, a number of steps, proactive steps to ensure that inflation remains within the band. That's very important because if we do not have inflationary expectations which are anchored then we will have you know exorbitant cost of living and then wages will rise and if wages rise the firm's cost of production will increase so you know the price will rise if prices rise again wages will rise so this will generate a kind of a wage price spiral so in order to anchor inflationary expectations it is important to have an inflation targeting regime and mostly you know if we look around countries most of the countries are following some or the other variant of an inflation targeting regime because it is beneficial for the long-term stability of the economy. So, clearly this inflation targeting regime uh, was instituted after a bit of a debate. There was a committee which kind of went into it and recommended and so on. And one of the things which critics of the sort of idea of bringing in such a regime, which included some fairly eminent figures in the monetary policy kind of world, was that you know inflation in India is primarily a determinant either of the weather or of oil prices, neither of which are really under the control of the government. So what sense does it make for an economy like ours to go in for inflation targeting? I mean, in retrospect, how you know valid do you think that criticism was? Yeah, so you know, one of the when we adopted inflation targeting uh, regime, one of the debate was, you know, what should we target? Should we target the headline inflation, which includes food and fuel, which are all exogenously determined, or should we target just core inflation, where we strip off these, uh, you know, volatile components or the components which are outside the remit of uh, uh, the monetary policy? But when, in hindsight, when we look, we find that you know, one needs to understand that even though the source of inflation may be food or it may be, say, fuel, but ultimately what happens is that there is a second round impact and the, uh, the primary source of inflation then gets entrenched and then it trickles down to the other components of inflation. So there are always these second round effects uh, which need to be uh, controlled and curbed. And when we talk about the cost of living, it includes both food and non-food. So inflationary ta inflation targeting regime needs to anchor inflationary expectations of the entire cost of living, which includes food and uh, fuel. 
So once we have an inflation targeting regime, it tends to anchor uh, inflationary expectations. Of course, the supply side measures are important. You know, food, fuel, we need agriculture side reforms, which are also happening, market-oriented reforms to stabilize uh, food prices, uh, essential commodities, act amendments, and all the other things. Those are important. But from the monetary policy side, what is important is that one needs to fix a target, which is generally under understood to the public. Public will not understand what is core inflation or what is core core inflation. So it is important that you fix a headline inflation and you monitor all components and examine that ultimately the you know the primary source of inflation could be food or could be transportation cost or could be fuel. But it then ultimately uh, shifts to the other components and it becomes broad based. So that that is the uh, stage where monetary policy's role becomes important. Sure. And there is also a monetary policy committee, which is now, you know, in charge of fixing uh, interest rates, so to speak. And could you just talk a little bit about what its role has been and how that innovation has worked? So when you when one thinks of an inflation targeting regime and consider, let's see India's experience, what what we did. So in 2015, first of all, a monetary policy framework agreement was signed between the central uh, uh, government and central bank. So this was the you know the first step towards uh, embracing the uh, inflation targeting regime, where a target was fixed. So the target was that by Jan 2016 we will have an inflation of six percent, and then we will have an inflation targeting regime of four plus minus two percent. But at that time we did not think about the institutional framework. You know who is going to uh, take decisions about uh, the interest rate. You know, what should be the interest rate to achieve that inflation rate? Uh, so an institutional framework is important. And that is why when the RBI Act was amended to, you know, institutionalize and to uh, bring about this framework in a uh, statutory manner, in a, in, a, in a legally enforceable manner, at that time, along with the target, an institutional framework was also thought through in the form of a monetary policy committee. So what is Monetary Policy Committee? It consists of members, uh, internal as well as external. There are members from the central bank and there are members who are uh, external members who are uh, uh, considered to be experts in the field of monetary policy, economics, finance, banking, and so on. So the idea behind this is that one gets a diverse set of uh, opinion diverse perspectives about the state of the economy, about uh, you know what do they think about the trajectory of inflation? Do, do they think that inflation is transient? Uh, or do they think that inflation is uh, permanent? So all these things determine the uh, magnitude of interest rate that they are going to uh, you know, change, whether they are going to increase it or reduce it or keep it stable. It depends on the member's perspective about economic growth and their perspective about the sources of inflation. And when we make, you know, because this is a kind of a judgment, it's not a scientific decision, it's a, it's a, it's a judgment-based decision. So whenever we have a judgment-based decision, it is always uh, important to have a group-level thinking. It is always important to have a bench of experts, you know, talking about it, debating about it, and then coming up with uh, an informed decision rather than leaving it only to the governor. So that is why now we have a monetary policy committee. Uh, and in our recent work, we did a survey of around 30 countries that have adopted inflation targeting uh, uh, regimes. And most of the countries do have 
some form of a institutional framework in the form of a monetary policy committee to decide and debate about the interest rate which will determine how the inflation target will be achieved so that is the monetary policy committee in our case we have uh, three internal and three external members this is uh, based on uh, you know various committee deliberations you know if in, in india's case we've had a long history of debate around this we had the fslrc the financial sector legislative reforms commission it this commission gave a particular formulation about uh, monetary policy committee then we have the urjit patel a uh, report about uh, monetary policy it gave a different formulation about uh, uh, monetary policy committee and what we actually have is 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 again different from what the two committees uh, envisaged so there is a lot of thought and debate uh, gone uh, in uh, thinking about an optimal composition of monetary policy committee so now what we have is a six member committee consisting of three internal and three external members and in case there is a equality of votes you know they decide equally then there is a casting vote by the governor so that is broadly an overview of the mpc sure and as you said the mpc is a body which is given to collective decision making on an issue which as you said is more a question of judgment but nevertheless these are people who work with economic models and so on one of the things that we have seen if we kind of look back both at the minutes of the meeting the decisions taken and some retrospective econometric kind of analysis uh one argument which has come about is that the mpc in the indian context if you look at the last four years certainly before the pre pandemic period was consistently overestimating the inflation sort of uh rate of inflation which was expected perhaps by as much as 2 percentage points is what some studies said it which then meant that we ended up adopting a much stronger line on interest rates and a you know a higher interest rate policy which perhaps has in in some ways constrained growth as well right so i just was wondering you know how much of your own research kind of bears out some of these criticisms or not yeah absolutely so if we look at the you know trajectory of uh, uh, mpc and how you know their decisions we see that you know like there there have been two periods one under the uh, governorship of urjit patel and second under the governorship of shaktikanta if we look at the first uh, you know under the chairmanship of urjit patel it was primarily hawkish you know we had if we consider leave aside the first meeting of the new mpc earlier just if we leave that aside till august we have had 24 meetings of monetary policy committee 14 under uh, urjit patel and 10 under shaktikant das and what we see is that under urjit patel mostly they have had they have maintained a neutral uh, you know uh, they have had a neutral stance and uh, they have not cut the interest rates even though uh, in 2017 especially after the demonetization episode there was a strong case for cutting interest rates but they did not cut the interest rates so if we look at the you know the first 8 uh, 10 uh, meetings essentially the mpc was over over cautious in uh, estimating inflation uh, in their uh, judgment about inflation and as a result they did not cut interest rates when it was needed and as a result our real interest rate used to be very high it was 2 to 3% it was it was it was really high and at that time the then uh, chief economic advisor arvind subramanian had criticized the mpc for being over cautious on uh, inflation even though inflation at that time was you know ranging between 2 to 3% still the mpc did not cut uh, rates 
And if we look at the reason why they did not do so, if you look at the reason, one of the key reason is that uh, if we look at their inflation projections, you know, because their main uh, decisions are based on their projections, uh, how far their projections are from the actual target. If we look at their projection, they have in, in the initial eight to 10 meeting, they were consistently overestimating the actual inflation. Consider, for example, the July, September, you know, the first half uh, uh, of the fiscal year 2016-17, also 2017-18. During these two periods, there were times when infl actual inflation was 2.5%, but inflation projection was 4.5%, consistently overestimating by as high as 2%. So that was the uh, problem initially. But when we look at this uh, under the governorship of Shaktikan Das, we've seen that, you know, the, the stance, the nature, uh, and even the discourse of MPC meetings uh, has changed dramatically, and it has become more dovish and more supportive towards growth. And I guess this is part of the learning curve, you know, initially they didn't understand, but now if we see that there is now a change, there is a move towards having a balanced approach towards both inflation and supporting growth because if we look at our legislative mandate for inflation targeting it is maintaining inflation target with a reasonable degree of growth so growth is also a part of it so one has to have a judicious mix of uh, you know perspective around inflation and growth and initially in the last in, in the first six seven uh, meeting that was a problem, especially during the time of demonetization, which was understood to be a growth, uh, you know, which 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 hampered growth. But still, the MPC did not cut interest rates. There were wide expectation that at least interest rates should be cut, should have been cut in the December 2016 meeting. Then again in Feb 2017 meeting, but they did not cut uh, interest rates, and that was visible on the growth rate. Growth rate faltered. Uh, it fell in 2017. And one of the reasons was, uh, you know, an unduly tight monetary policy pursued during that time. And so how does this work in a sense that now that we have some years of experience, uh, are the models by which the inflation uh, sort of projections are being made more robust? Uh, or is the decision making process kind of more diverse, which is to say people bring in different models to the table? I mean, how is the course correction now being done? So initially, I mean, they don't disclose their inflation uh, forecasting uh, models. We know that they follow an F-PASS model for inflation uh, forecasting. But what is more important, in addition to the forecast, is that what is the kind of discourse and what is their judgment around uh, what is the future course of inflation and growth is going to be? I think that has changed for now, not even, even before the pandemic struck us. We know that in 2019 growth was faltering and that was visible in the, uh, you know, in the discourse and in the, in the, in the discussions of MPC members. So uh, while demonetization was also hampering growth, that was not considered something you know uh, that was not considered something that would impact growth it was considered to be a transient phenomenon and as in when the supply of money will come back uh, growth will bounce back which which did not happen it, uh, growth did growth was impacted for some quarters but as of now it's mainly the judgment and mainly the decision making uh, also the perspectives have uh, widened uh, and if you look at even that time, you know, uh, one of the members had actually dissented. Ravindra Dholakia, if you look at the uh, minutes of 2017 June meeting, 
uh, one he makes a uh, case uh, he is critical of rbi's forecast and he counters those forecasts with his own forecast by saying that rbi's forecasts are consistently overestimating inflation so there that's the entire purpose of having a committee based approach that you know you are not just following what the central bank is giving you and it's coming on paper that you know one of the members is dissenting but that was not the majority opinion so they went ahead by you know with not cutting interest rate but there were members who consistently opposed the overestimation of uh, inflation and the decision of not cutting rates in the initial uh, one or two years of mpc sure and what in your uh, estimation has been the overall pattern of inflation say over the last one year uh, i'm i'm thinking particularly of the period since say the pandemic began in china and this kind of early on in this year i mean uh, because you know some of the you know the trends that we are seeing seem to be a bit counterintuitive because on the one hand there was a crunch in terms of demand but we've still seen a bit of a spike in terms of budget pricing deck how would you read and can you just uh, elaborate on this a little so if we look at the performance of inflation first like generally over the inflation targeting regime period which is from 2016 till uh, 2020 we find that till uh, mostly for most of the period inflation has been range bound inflation has been within the 2 to 6% range till december 2019 okay till december 2019 starting from uh, uh, 2016 when the framework was uh, uh, put in place inflation was range bound so that we can say as an achievement of the inflation targeting regime but from december 2019 onwards we are seeing that inflation has consistently overshot the uh, upper end of the target december 2019 was the first month when inflation overshot the target uh again jan feb again inflation was above 6% march it fell but uh, again in april and may the cso did not release the uh, numbers uh, because of the lockdown they did not have uh, that you know the transaction level data so we don't actually trust the april and may cpi data but this period has seen an uh, inflation level uh, beyond the 6% mark but one needs to understand the reason as you rightly pointed out that on the one side growth is faltering and on the other side inflation is rising but if we look you know if we delve deeper into the reasons for inflation it's primarily supply side disruption caused due to lockdown and petrol price hikes so you know remember central government uh, increased the uh, raised excise duties excise taxes so one of the contributing factors for uh, increase in inflation is within the miscellaneous category there is one component called petrol for vehicles diesel for vehicles that is one component that has increased in addition to of course vegetable prices uh, that have increased uh, due to supply side disruption so you know one needs to understand that your cpi the the index consists of around 300 commodities uh, but inflation is primarily being driven by a bunch of commodities and it actually shows that it's not a sustained overall broad increase in inflation otherwise we should have seen an increase in demand also there are a certain commodities which are showing a sustained increase in prices primarily due to government policies and primarily due to the covid-19 induced lockdown so therefore we feel that going forward as the economy unlocks we 
we should see a moderate cooling of uh, uh, prices and that's what rbi has also said in its statements that the second half of the fisc current fiscal should see a moderation in inflation so we think that that's a, that's a fairly correct assessment and it depends on how uh, quickly the economy you know unlocks and how quickly the supply side disruptions are uh, addressed so we see that there are a couple of commodities that have been driving inflation uh, vegetable prices petrol and diesel prices and another is gold gold prices which is not normally talked about in the cpi inflation discourse but when we did a uh, deep dive into the uh, the reasons the drivers behind cpi inflation these were the factors in the context of the pandemic the government has also taken several fiscal policy measures and some of these fiscal policy measures are also likely to have consequences as far as inflation is concerned as fiscal policy issues typically tend to have so i wanted to understand both from your perspective but also how the monetary policy committee is looking at the impact of covid related fiscal measures that the government has taken and its implications for inflation going forward so you know if we look at the various measures that government has taken to address the impact of covid 19 mostly those measures are not uh, resulting in an actual fiscal outgo from the government's uh, uh, kitty uh, they are mostly measures that are rooted through banks so if you look at the msme uh, uh, the 3 lakh crore uh, uh, concessional credit scheme or for farmers or distribution of food grains mostly those are measures that do not we do not foresee at least for the measures that have been taken till now those measures are not uh inflationary in the sense that they are not actually putting money in the hands of people and then uh, people are going to spend uh so we don't see as of now with the current mixture of uh, measures that have been taken by government uh they are going to have a very strong impact on inflation while they may have an impact on growth because uh, you know most of the measures that have been taken are either restructuring or giving loans at concessional rates mostly rooted through banks and they are not going to have an impact on the fiscal kitty of the government at least for this year or the next year so we don't see those having in the conventional sense of the term we don't see those having a very uh, uh, acute inflationary impact so to say as of now because they are not uh, very expansionary in nature they are primarily rooted through banks or the, they are mainly done to support businesses small businesses and uh, to get you know to facilitate their opening up and to facilitate their businesses coming back on track so those are not really inflationary and even if we look at the, the monetary policy discussion we don't see that as a concern playing out in the minds of the npc members that the, some of these measures could be inflationary as of now most of the measures or most of the discourse that we uh, see uh, on the mpc uh, meetings the minutes release they are mainly talking about uh, either how to you know maintain the liquidity how to keep the uh, cost of borrowings low or uh, how to keep the cost of government borrowing low we don't see the impact of the fiscal impact of the measures taken by the government having any impact on inflation 
that's 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 not the concern as of now until and unless government comes with some big bank fiscal uh, measure which uh, is clearly they are constrained by uh, their fiscal position because they have to pay uh, compensation says they have already borrowed 4 lakh crore then they have now decided to borrow 1.1 lakh crore uh, in addition so we don't see that we don't envisage a very big bank kind of a uh, fiscal measure that actually puts money in the hands of people and government goes and people go and spend and that will lead to an inflationary impact that's that's not going to happen at least in the uh, short to medium term okay one last question for you which is kind of more speculative and forward looking uh, but i was just wondering i mean do you think that the current framework that we have for inflation targeting uh you know with the mandate that the government has laid out is is likely to continue through this period of say a post pandemic recovery which in our case might be even somewhat elongated because of you know pre existing weaknesses in the economy and so on uh you know it, do, you, do you think what the system with which we have worked for the last 5 years is going to persist more or less unchanged or do you think there's going to be more of an uh emphasis towards saying that you know growth may have to be prioritized at least in the short to medium term especially in a context where as you are saying uh inflationary risks are not that high on the horizon so if we look at the legal framework what are we allowed to review every 5 years we are allowed to review the inflation target we are not allowed to you know the 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 legislative framework or the mandate or the provisions of the rbi amendment act of 2016 do not envisage a review of the framework as such Uh, what it envisages is a review of the target uh, this uh, uh, whether it will be 6% plus minus 2% are we going to have a band or are we going to narrow the band or are we going to widen the band are we going to shift from a band to a kind of a range okay so the, those are the kind of things that the legal framework envisages to uh, review every 5 years so the uh, question about whether they are going to give more primacy to growth uh, as opposed to inflation that is already you know part of the uh, the mandate which says that you have to uh, uh, maintain low and stable inflation along with growth so inflation and growth uh, are already there uh, it's just that they can you know as of now uh, the uh primacy has to be given to growth which they are uh, giving but the fr- for that you you need not change the framework as such because what is legally permissible is to think about changing the uh, target which is currently 2 to 6% so that might change uh you know you may want to widen the uh, target or you may want to narrow the target those are the discussion points to think around uh but not whether to give whether to change the framework as such because that is something which is going to be dangerous uh, because you, you know it takes time to anchor inflationary expectation and if one keeps changing the inflation targeting framework as such every 5 years especially in the initial years when you know we are just learning how to uh, anchor inflationary expectation it is very dangerous and it would be uh, you know imprudent of policy makers to uh, think of changing the framework that is why it's not even laid down in the act the act only requires us to uh, revise the target so that's the uh, point about uh, you know uh, inflation versus growth both are uh, uh, targets that are provided in the act but what is to be reviewed every 5 years is the inflation target the numerical target along with the tolerance band Radhika thanks so much for joining us today it was great to talk to you
Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Interpreting India. Stay safe and don't forget to wash your hands. For more information about the podcast and the production team, you can follow us on social media and visit our webpage.